So welcome to Music Ally Today with me, Joe Sparrow, Music Ally writer, and uh, with Stuart Dredge, Music Ally's editor and one-man music business analysis machine. I'm going to go with that until it sticks, Stu. Um, <laughs> now, uh, we're going to take one of the key stories again from Music Ally's daily music industry analytical newsletter, as written by Stu. Uh, and this one is quite a big one in a number of ways with a lot to dig into. It's the Q2 results of Spotify. So what's happening, Stu? Paid subscribers are up, advertising's down, what does it mean? Yeah, so it was the first full quarter of kind of pandemic lockdown financial uncertainty. So I think a lot of people were looking at it, so okay, now we're really gonna find out what this COVID-19 has done to music streaming. And yeah, I mean, it was the results were good. Like that, the subscribers are up and users are up, and they haven't seen a really big hit to their subscription revenues. People aren't cancelling Spotify uh, because they're worried about money yet at this point, which is a good sign for music because subscriptions is kind of the the metric the industry are keen on. Uh, and yeah, their advertising revenues did fall. They kind of were hit by this year on year people pausing their campaigns or cancelling stuff. So that came through. But because advertising is kind of minor, well, not minor. It's it used to be about 9% for Spotify. It was about 7% this quarter because of it, it fell. So because the business really is subscriptions, they came out pretty well, although they're not met to profit, which is kind of standard for the course now. Um, and the, um, the conversion rate seems to be pretty good as well. Yeah, I was looking back through some of our old stories at the early days when they were trying to launch in the US and it was like, well, they need to get their conversion rate up towards 25% before we, we want to license it here. We're worried about it. And now it's kind of... I think we wrote, what do we write? It's about 40, 46% globally. So yeah. 46% of their listeners are paying, or well, subscribers rather, on subscription plans. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually more than half in Europe and North America. So that's like slowly and slowly become quite a big deal. Though we don't really, nowadays we don't talk about it much because we, we just assume that's what the conversion rates of Spotify like. It's not, I mean, it's not mm. controversial anymore. That is kind of a big story, isn't it? Because it's that, that gradual shift to converting people to subscription, to, to pay subscriptions is probably what is going to tip them uh, gradually into profit and sort of almost repeating profit uh, month by month after that. You would hope so. And of course, from a music point of view, uh, even critics of Spotify, which we'll get onto in a minute, um, even the critics, one of the things they talk about is, well, one way to get Spotify to pay more royalties out is for people to subscribe. And the message to people who listen to Spotify is it's worth paying for, worth paying for music. That's something that's encouraging. So yeah, I've been thinking here, thinking, I wonder how high it can go. Like, what is the, uh, what's the ceiling of people who will pay for Spotify? Uh, and I suppose in numbers, as long as they keep growing their listeners, they can keep growing subscribers. But I do wonder where that conversion rate ends up. Like, does it end up higher than 50%, higher than 60% even? It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I was trying to think of an equivalent model where um, people had shifted from uh, non-paid subscriptions to paid subscriptions for, for a similar product. And it seems that Spotify or streaming services are sort of leading the way in this. So it'll be interesting to see how they um, manage to uh, manage to do that. But then, of course, once I guess those numbers are, the percentage is high enough, maybe they can talk about increasing the, uh, the actual amount they pay for, per month as well. That's it, all this stuff. And that, they weren't asked about that in their financial call this time. Last time around, they were asked and they kind of said, well, you know, we, we're not against increasing prices. So, yeah, that's, there's no update on that. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sign that people aren't yet 
spooked by the pandemic enough or spooked by the impact to start cancelling their music subscriptions. And Spotify, in a way, is, is the most vulnerable to that because people can cancel their subscription and still use it. They can drop back to the free, free version. Uh, and so far, it's not happening. I mean, you know, no one knows what's going to happen with this pandemic. And for example, in the UK, we we'll have to have the end of the furlough scheme that the mm. government launched. So people might actually be losing their jobs soon. And that may get people to start thinking, well, I need to think about household expenses. So, you know, it's all up in the air. Like, I think even though these were good from that point of view, we're going to kind of have to keep seeing what happens with the pandemic and the kind of economic knock-on effects. Yeah, and after these results were um, announced, you were able to have a quick call with uh, Daniel Ek in a sort of as part of a sort of media-facing um, discussion, series of discussions. And uh, you, th in your, just uh, towards the end of your conversation, you threw him a softball question, which was asking him about... <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 you know the, the sort of the wider impact of payments something we've discussed on Music Ally a lot between the amount the artists are getting and, and the amount of income that Spotify makes um, he he sort of lamented that artists aren't saying that they're happy with the money they're getting from streaming which had yeah. a had a, a had a, a predictable impact on Twitter from artists who were not queuing up to thank him. No, it's been it's been a bit crazy overnight seeing some quite famous musicians saying some quite rude things about Daniel Ek, and it's all our fault for our interview. But no, so to give the context, I think context is quite important. Um, this is quite a new thing for Spotify. Like last quarter was the first time they started saying in between the financials and their earnings call, some journalists get to have a chat with uh, Daniel Ek and the CFO Paul Vogel. Some two of them, um, and you get seven minutes. Well, I got seven. You know, I've had seven minutes both times. So, and there's no, there's no kind of control freak. It's not like you can't ask about X or Y. It's just like, ask whatever you want. So you get about three or four questions really in that time. Uh, so yeah, so I just sort of, we were talking about this stat they announced that I think 43,000 artists are now in their top tier, the ones who account for most of the streams. And that's been increasing. And so what I asked was, uh, they've talked, he's talked actually, Danny Lecker's talked about something, you know, we want to have one million artists living off their art. And so what I asked was, why is there a gap between those ambitions and then what artists have been saying recently in some of these kind of discussions about not being able to live off their streaming revenues? Um, and what, and I was kind of, it, was, it wasn't a, I'm not a Paxman when I interview, it was kind of like a, what's the gap there and how can it be bridged? Yeah. It wasn't a gotcha question, was it? It was a sort of a no, statement no, no. of what and was he, being discussed. He just, yeah, and, and he answered in the, and we published it in full. Like I was very like, right, I've got to publish it in full. It's got to be completely in context. Like you can't, I didn't want to chop and change and put quotes that sounded bad. And you know, so we published the whole thing, the whole two minute, two and a half minute burst of what he said. And yeah, it's the most candid I think he's been about, yeah, you mentioned like he's, He's, he thinks that artists, we, we cover the artists who complain because the artists who are happy aren't talking about it publicly. And to an extent, I think there is truth in that because artists don't tend to talk about how much money they're making. Like that's, that's culturally for a lot of musicians, that's very much, you don't talk about how rich you are. It's mm. slightly awkward, isn't it? So, and it's true, there are a lot of musicians who are doing well from streaming, like we know that. Like that, you know, particularly in in um, hip hop and pop and dance, the, the genres that are really big on streaming, there are artists doing really well in their streams. Yeah, especially Even artists, perhaps, who are sort of solo individuals. They they can they write, record, 
produce all their own music and upload it themselves, if they're completely independent, if they get enough streams, it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable income. Yeah, and that's the problem, that you can't ever generalise. So there are artists who are doing well from streaming, and there are a lot of them, and the Spotify's point with its stat was there are lots more who are in that, what it calls its top tier, which I think is, and there's some confusion over figures. There was a 10% figure, and then it changed to a 90% figure. So what that means is a bit confused. But I think when it talks about its top tier, it means it, that, that's, it's thinking about the ones who are clearly making a living and doing well from it. So that is increasing. And so I think his point was more artists than ever before are making a decent living from streaming. Um, but yeah, I think what's caused the controversy is he went on to talk about the fact that um, the way to do streaming well is to release music regularly, to have mm. this buzz of activity going on around, to never go away, to not... And he, said, he talked about, you know, you can't just release music every three years, kind of talking about an album. And... So the, again, I've been thinking about this. I think one interpretation of this is actually, this is kind of true for streaming. Like he was talking honestly, like the way to do streaming well is a regular flow of tracks and uh, this buzz of activity around it. And you never that's not away. dissimilar from any number of platforms, right? If you want to be, if you want to be a, a famous YouTuber, you've got to upload hashtag content every day, you know? Yeah, and, and then in YouTube, they've got this real, they all started hitting walls because they felt so kind of, uh, tied to the algorithm, they had to keep mm. feeding it, and I, you know, and so I think um, the criticism that's come out has been musicians looking at what he said. And actually, what he said, you could interpret what he said as you're not working hard enough if you're not doing that. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't think that was what he intended to say in that kind of blunt terms. Because musicians who release an album every three years are working hard; they're touring writing is a hard work you know because like 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 it's not laziness if you're mm. not doing this 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 kind of constant feed of hashtag content and that's what i think has got people back up they feel like they're being told they have to become these content machines and that they're lazy if they don't and that's why they're not getting money and that's the real like there's an artistic question there that people are getting very cross about like i don't want to be a content factory i want to take my time to do the music and i I understand the kind of, I understand why it's been so controversial because it seemed to be the owner of the platform saying you have to play by our rules if you're going to succeed. If you don't, you're not working hard enough. And that's, that's just kind of, I'm glad that we quoted him in full so people can read the context because it is quite incendiary, I think, to a lot of artists. I think it seems like from, from reading the, 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 you know, the, the sort of, the reactions on Twitter have been furious, but I think they've been honest. Uh, at least from the people who've who've said these things, um, and they feel like his comments or their interpretation is his comments are a little bit tone deaf to the reality of life as an artist, which we know from talking to artists is yeah, like you said, it's very complicated, and many artists do not sit in front of a laptop and churn out song after song in in that kind of pop current pop style. Some people, you know. Scott Walker wouldn't have done that, you know, it, it, but we would be much poorer without music mm. or, or Kate Bush, you know, we'd be much poorer without those irregular releases of, of important work. Um, yeah, well, I think Adele's sitting back, Adele's sitting back, I can't release an album every three years and make loads of money, can I not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult because I, I think, <clears throat> but I think, I think this is the thing, I, I think when you step back from this, I think his comments are very honest, like this is the streaming model. And unless you are Adele 
or even Taylor Swift. I mean, she, I mean, well, she's bounced out two albums quite quickly, but there are artists, I mean, Rihanna, when was Rihanna's last album out? I mean, that's a lengthy meme in itself, isn't it? When's the next album coming? And yet she is doing pretty well for herself. Um, I think it's simultaneously true that the way to succeed in streaming probably is along the lines of what Daniel was talking about. So regular tracks, you know, if you were managing an artist now, you'd say, this is how you do it. Sure. But it, there are, there are a lot of brilliant artists. Like I remember reading an article recently about Nadine Shah, who's mm. moved back home with her parents because she can't afford to live independently. Sure. But her music, and she's like a Mercury Prize nominee. Um, I was doing some stuff this morning. I was counting sort of the new Laura Marling album, which is something I just, my, the, the album I love the most is mm. like, I've just listened to it every day. Yeah, great album, um, yeah. It's done like 12.1 million streams on Spotify so far, which if you use them, the, the per stream things that are floating around, like it's you're talking forty two thousand yeah. dollars of of payout for an album that's really special and beautiful, and for, in her case she plays live. She's also making money from live streams. She's figuring that out, you know, like she she has a way of making money normally, and and in COVID time you can't too, and that's one problem. But it does. I do think there's something to talk about constructively before. She's like. If you're an artist making beautiful music, taking your time, what is the model? What do you do? And I think the answer, which is not something Daniel Leck will probably talk about, is the answer is streaming is just going to have to be this, this baseline and you're going to have to do stuff in Bandcamp or Patreon or like your money's going to come from elsewhere. Mm. And, but I, I think we should talk about, like, I think we, do, we should talk about how there's, there's beautiful music being made that doesn't fit into the stuff that works on streaming. So how do we make sure those artists live and make more music? Does yeah. that make sense? Like I don't, that's not yeah, completely, because it, artists, yeah. yeah, artists are the, are, the, are the bedrock that the whole industry exists on. And they're saying, look, we are important. Make sure we can survive and make the thing that you're building these huge platforms of. And, you know, what, what you're saying is... is possibly true in that okay if you're going to be an artist that isn't just churning out songs you have to engage with streaming platforms and Bandcamp and create your own merchandise and organize your own tours and figure out all this this sort of portfolio of income streams mm. and that's I mean that just sounds exhausting and of course the, as soon as you yeah. bring in people to help you you have to start paying them paying them with the money that you're making and all of a sudden if you do make hypothetically $45,000 from 10 million uh, 50 million streams that when, once you start sharing it for, to be able to pay other people to help you, it, that suddenly is not a lot of money. Um, so it's, you know, if, if we send artists who are creating this music down a, a rabbit hole of exhaustion, which as you say, is one of the, the most sort of uh, common vlogger videos, isn't it? I burnt out and had to take a month off and here's my story. Well, well that, I mean, that's a lose-lose, isn't it? It is. So it's, <clears throat> it's hard, I think, because I think, when I mean, you talked to Zoe Keating the other week and she was yeah. she was very open about you know streaming doesn't really streaming isn't a thing for her uh thing for her is emailing her fans through Bandcamp and they come and buy it and she has money you know like mm. so that is one model one model is like streaming you're on streaming or you're not on streaming like David Lowry's from like windowing his stuff selling it first then putting it on streaming like there are these models so that's one thing I think is positive and again I, I don't think Annelette will be talking about this because it's not his that's not his business his business is streaming but I think, I, th I don't think it's a lost cause that streaming doesn't work for some artists that are making brilliant music and taking the time. But I do think 
yeah, like you say, you need a strategy, you need people to help you do that. You need to make sure the economics of doing that strategy work out. And obviously when live is happening, that does help. You know, it does, like if you're, if you are a Laura Marling, if you're on Dean Shaw and you play live, that's, that makes a huge difference. That's one of the things that's changed. Like live income is so much bigger part of artist income now. Mm. But yeah, I think, I just think it was, it's interesting. And, and I hope there's a lot of abuse, like, like Twitter being what it is, people are being really unpleasant. About yeah. This. Yeah. And, and I hope when we can step back, and there've been a couple of threads already, people who, who disagree with Daniel Ek, but I've been looking at this, like, look, this is like, this is, this is an important moment. This is, this is kind of describing the philosophy of, or the, the structure of streaming. And if you're going to survive and you don't fit in that, you have to find your way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's been, I've, I've been, I sort of want to get beyond the smoke and fire of this interview and the quotes. And again, now it's being reported elsewhere with a headline saying, Daniel Leck thinks artists can't like, stuff yeah. gets, it gets more blunt in the kind of re, yeah. rewriting. Yeah. It's um, definitely, um, like you say, a starting point of, of something important um, because you know this for so long the focus has been on streaming platforms and now we're, the conversation is getting louder and louder around okay how do we build a career around them including streaming platforms and and perhaps his honesty is actually helpful in the sense that it does give people a target to start pushing into other areas and figuring out how to make that work um, although of course I'm, I'm sure that the ire and the the fury will not abate uh, anytime soon around Daniel Egg. Well. I, I still, what, the other thing, and I think this is where I would maybe ask him about it next time, if I get a chance next time. <laughs> you're you're I mean, never speaking to him like, again. <laughs> like, like this, well, no, I mean, like, like, actually, it was an honest question, honestly, answer. Like, you know, there's, there's no yeah. kind of uh, problems there. But um, I still think, like, this artist fundraising pick Spotify's done recently, mm. it really intrigues me. And it's, that's had some criticism saying it's just a fig leaf covering lack of royalties. Like, people were cross about that too. But it's, I feel like, if streaming is the baseline, if streaming is a place where you often discover these, like, like I, I, I discovered artists who, are, who aren't the kind of streaming template. I discovered artists who make an album every three years and are mm. beautiful and wonderful and not content factories. I've discovered them through Spotify. Discover Weekly has put things into my feed and it can be the place you find those people and the links off to where they make their money elsewhere. There's so much scope for stuff there. Like mm. Spotify does have tour dates, but they're not super prominent. Like, it's not telling me this artist I love, I played lots of years, is playing. You, know, you have to go to their profile and see their tour dates and see their merch there. But I think there's real, real scope. If, if this all fits together, there should be no competitive version of Spotify saying, actually, you listened to this artist so much last year. Do you know they've got this, their, their band camp's been updated with this, or they're running a mm. Patreon, or you can go and support them, and we're going to be the thing that tells you about that. I don't know. There's, there's just something. There's just more that could be done. I think, and, and I'm sure there are people at Spotify thinking that as, as much yeah. as we are. Yeah, there's, there's the scope there, isn't there? And we talked about that a bit on Musical Eye recently about uh, how streaming platforms could incorporate other support systems and uh, ways of helping artists get money directly from all the other sort of the galaxy of other uh, income streams around being an artist. And, and, and I hope. I mean, it, it, it possibly something that will happen in the future. So, well, let's see if you ever get to speak to uh, Daniel Legg ever again. Uh, but uh, thanks, Stu. That was, uh, thank you for explaining your scoop. Uh, and I hope so, because I think the thing is, I think it's the more, the more bosses talk about this stuff, honestly, the better. Like, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's better to kind of address these things and, and, and talk about them. So, you know, I'm quite pleased they were willing, he took the question and answered it, and then we'll see how it goes. Oh, I mean, it's certainly... Um, 
unusual and welcome for for uh, CEOs of giant platforms to be speaking unfiltered. You know, I think that's important, isn't it? I think I'm a less intimidating interviewer, interviewer than all those Congress people the other day for Zuckerberg and Bezos <laughs> and the rest. So, you know. You see, it's nice to be nice and you never know what you get in return. That's uh, the lesson for us all there. So thanks, Stu. Uh, thanks again. Uh, if you found that useful and want more of Stu's in-depth news, trusted analysis and the occasional giant scoop, waiting for you in your inbox every morning, uh, as well as access to all of Music Ally's industry-leading fortnightly sandbox reports, head on over to musically.com forward slash subscribe. Don't forget, if you're an indie label, artist manager or publisher, uh, you might be eligible for one of our sponsored complimentary subscriptions. So that's musically.com slash subscribe. Uh, that's it. Uh, follow Music Ally on your social media platform of choice uh, to make sure you're up to date with all the cutting edge music industry news and analysis uh, and uh, here on Music Ally today and you'll get it all normally in the time it takes to hard boil an egg. But in this case, we dug into a bit longer and so we hard boiled two eggs. Insert your own. Good on them. Yes, uh, yes. Good, more egg-based uh, comparisons, please. Okay, thanks, Stu, uh, and uh, well, see you soon.